be in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, continuing in our series uh, called Different. And as we get there, I want to tell you um, a short story. Uh, I was probably 22 at the time, or maybe 21, had been in college for a while, uh, and I'd always had cars that had serious car problems. And I remember getting uh, a, a new car. It was a Mitsubishi Gallant. And I remember getting this car, and I was so nervous that something would happen to the car. And so whenever somebody would say something to the car, I would always try to downplay it. Um, I would always try to push the attention away from the car. And I remember pulling up at church and my pastor coming out and seeing the car, and, and he said, oh, Rodney, this is, a, this is a very nice car that you have. And my response to him was like, oh, yes, you know, thank you. Um, I just want to, you know, take care of it and just make sure nothing happened to it. Don't want to get in any accidents. And he said, Rodney, stop. You know, you have a, a, a new car that God has blessed you with. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Don't, don't drive it waiting for something negative to happen. Enjoy the gift that he's given you. And we have been in a series uh, that will end next week, and we've been talking a lot on suffering. And we've been talking to people this week, and it's, they're, they're, they're almost, some of us are walking around with a trepidation thinking, I'm just wondering when my trouble coming. I know my, my next big test is, a, is around the corner. I'm just trying to brace myself for the impending suffering. And so I want to encourage you this morning that if you are in a season of blessing, enjoy it. Enjoy it. Don't spend your days waiting for something bad to happen. Some of you, you're just in seasons where God has been incredibly gracious to you. Enjoy that with worship and thanksgiving. Don't wait for something bad to happen. In other words, as my pastor told me as, as he was walking away, he said, Rodney, do two things. Enjoy it, but embrace that suffering will come. But until it comes, enjoy it. Enjoy it. That's what I want to say to some of you this morning. Uh, if you're in a season, man, some of you are in a season where, man, God's, you're in a season of marriage where things are good. Enjoy that. You know, you're in a season where finances are good. Enjoy that. You're in a season where life and your health is, you're, you're full of health. You have no health concerns. You go to the doctor, you get a clean bill of health. Enjoy that with Thanksgiving. Don't embrace or just wait for suffering to happen. In our CBR journal, and I'm going to keep referencing that because I just feel like it's been a such, such of a blessing to this church. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 3 says it this way. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. So for those that are not in the best season of life. Some of you all are like, I, I came here this morning because I need a word. I'm in trouble. I'm in a trial. It is hard. It's full of pressure. I have anxiety. I'm suffering depression. I don't know where to go. I don't know who to talk to. This is overwhelming for me. Listen to what James says. Consider it pure joy. This, this, 
This word consider uh, is, is this almost this mathematic calculating terms. In other words, do the math and consider God's goodness up and above your suffering and consider or count it pure joy. So even for those that you're not in the best season of life, count it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Here's how or why we can do this. Because you know that the testing of your faith works patience. God's working on you. And he knows what he's doing. Amen? To help illustrate this point, because some of you will just read that from a a rotten, that's James. That's James, long, long time ago. I want to show a brother who did this this week. So would you roll the video for us, please? Amen. So again, we can endure it with joy. That's a football player recently injured, and that's his commentary. Love him and what he represents. We can do this because we don't serve a sadistic, maniac God who is just toying with us for his pleasure. We serve a loving Father who allows suffering in our lives to accomplish uh, his will in our good. Amen. Let's jump into the word and continue learning for what Peter has for us. What time is it? First Peter chapter 4, verse 1 through 11. First Peter 4, 1 through 11. Since therefore... 
Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves in the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffice for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality and passions and drunkenness and orgies and drinking parties and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you. But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that through, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be sober controlled and sober minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sin. Show hospitality without grumbling as each has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Two points this morning. I want to talk from the topic of serving differently. Point number one, living differently. Point number two, serving community. Uh, let's pray. Father, thank you that you have drew us here this morning according to your own will and your own purposes. There's something you want to speak to us. Holy Spirit, I rely not on wittiness or even what I've studied, but that your spirit will do what it does in, in grafting the word of God that is able to save our souls, that's able to grow us up. Holy Spirit, do what you do. Lord, let this word have a conforming, uh, a conforming force in making us look more like Jesus. Help us to conform to your will. Help us to say yes to you. God, use me to that end. Minister beyond my ability. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk about <coughs> point number one, living differently. Jumping right into verse one, he says, <coughs> Therefore, since Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same understanding, because the one who suffers in the flesh is finished with sin. Peter's pulling no punches, and he's telling us straight up, the same way Christ has suffered, and we talked a lot about his suffering in the preceding sermons, in the same way he suffered once and for all for sin to bring us to God, the righteous for the unrighteous, 
In the same way that he has suffered, Peter says, arm yourself likewise, not with guns and knives, but with the same kind of thinking or understanding. Because he says the person that understands that they're going to suffer the way how Christ suffers have a different perspective on sin. It is not that they won't sin anymore or they'll, 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 they'll be finished with sin or they'll live in sinless perfection. No. But it is that they'll have a different perspective on sin. And we understand we are called to arm ourselves with this thinking. With this idea that this is not my home I'm passing through. I am a foreigner, so I'm not going to get too comfortable. I'm on my way back home. My home with Jesus awaits me, and I must endure as I serve him. You see, the people with this mindset, they're focused. They're incredibly Focus. We were, we were at our elders meeting yesterday and we're, we're planning and preparing for 2020 and we're asking questions like this. What all can we do and then what should we do? And here's what I enjoy. You don't get to see this from your leadership, but here's what I enjoy is that we as a church are becoming more and more focused on what God's called us to do. You see, and when we're focused like that, it helps us say no to the things that we should say no to. And it gives us energy to say yes to the things that we should say yes to. Why? Because we are focused. And when someone understands that suffering is a part of the cost, that this is not my home, that I am passing through, I'm focusing on accomplishing the will that he has for me and not expecting to be completely comfortable in my journey. You will be uncomfortable. And when you understand that, I'm passing through. You decorate your home differently. You handle your money differently. You handle your time differently when you understand this is not my forever home. So when we see that, Almost as if sin, I don't have time for that. Not that we're perfect, but we're focused. Here's a couple questions. Could it be that because of your lack of surrender in your thinking, you don't give God time? Could it be that because of the lack of surrender in your thinking, devotionals, is, is too hard for you to get to? Could it be because fundamentally you do believe this? No, 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 this is my home. This, this, this is my only life, and I have to make the most out of it. So maybe I'll get some time. I, I, I'll give him crumbs because I, I can't give him complete devotion. Could it be that you have too much free times on your hands, so you're self-consumed with sin. You know, the stewardship of time is important. Some of us, you have too much free time. Jesus says this at 12. Check this. Jesus says this at 12 to his mama. Jesus, where are you? We were looking for you. Woman, don't you know? 
I got to be about my father's business? Don't you know I'm on mission? Don't you know the reason I am here is to accomplish the will of him that has sent me while it is day? While I got breath, while I got life, while I got strength. Some of us this morning, you are postponing your mission for lesser things. And you think the lesser things will satisfy. I'm here to tell you it won't. Oh, I'll do that in five years later, ten years, when, when things are a little bit slower. It won't be slower. One of the enemy's greatest temptation is he whispers to us in our ears, tomorrow, Jesus says, the day you hear my voice, the day, not tomorrow, the day you hear my voice, don't harden your heart. Could it be that some of us lack in service because we're too busy? You're, no, it's not that you don't have, uh, you got too much time. Some of us are too busy. We don't have time because we're so busy. We got so much stuff on our agenda. Our agenda goes into minutes. From 10 o'clock to 10.07, I'm doing this. Could it be that we filled our calendar with things that don't really matter? See, you can only say amen if you believe. There's another life. And this life is like that compared to this, the life to come. And I know this world, six days a week, you're being crammed a thing. Oh, man, it's just that what, Jesus thing? Yeah, no, 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 I love him. I love him from a distance. Could that be the reason you keep falling into repetitive sin? Now, we all sin, but some of us are enslaved to sin. It's like an evil master that calls you, calls you by name. I don't think his name by name Mike in here. If it is, I'm sorry. But he calls you, hey, Mike, come on. Come on. It's, it's not going to take too long. It'll only be a minute. Hurry up. Could it be that one of the reasons we are, we are enslaved to sin is because we have not learned to arm your mind with this kind of Galatians 5.13 says this, For you have been called to live in freedom. Pastor Rodney's not trying to bring nobody in bondage. God has called you to freedom. And who Christ sets free is free indeed. There's freedom. But listen to what he says in Galatians. But my brothers and my sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Don't use your freedom to abuse sin. You know, one of the areas I see this in our culture more and more is the, the sexiness of alcoholism. To, to unwind from a day with alcohol is it's so, it's so commonplace. I don't know if it's just me, but she's like every show on television it's hard to find somebody without a glass of wine or a drink in their hand. 
Please understand, again, Rodney is not trying to push legalism on you and tell you not to drink. But if that is the thing that pursues and dominates your life, he's called you to freedom, but don't use your freedom to abuse this freedom. See, what he's trying to get after is, for those that are focused, ain't nobody got time for that. You see that and you guard your life. Lord, I got to be wise in what I do. The question is not always, is this sin? The question is, is this what I need to be doing right now? Because it cannot be a sin and I can still be called not to be doing that. Some of us, if we're not careful, we're going to find ourselves abusing things and calling it freedom. Going back to the CBR, right? Samson. He's called to live this kind of life of restriction for God's glory, but he abuses it, and it costs his life. So don't use your freedom as an opportunity to sin. So Peter says, as he continues, he says, now I want you to pursue some things and I want you to stop pursuing some things. He says, no longer pursue human passions, but the will of God. Now, what does Peter mean? Let's start with what he means by pursuing the will of God. Peter has already told us in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14 through 15, what it looks like to pursue the will of God. Verse 14 says this of chapter 1, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy... You also be holy in your conduct. What is Peter saying? To, 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 to pursue the will of God means I'm going to live this life that is set apart for my master's use. In other words, I'm going to live differently. You have been called. I have been called. We have been called to live differently for the master's use. Why? We have been bought with a price. We have been brought by his precious blood. We've been redeemed because of what Jesus has done on the cross for our sins. So he calls us to pursue him and not pursue other things. And he, he's been laying that out all through the first three chapters. But also let's look on what he's calling us not to pursue. For there, verse 3, has already been enough time spent in doing what the Gentiles choose to do. Carrying on in unrestrained behavior, evil desires, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and lawless idolatry. Here's what Peter says. I want you to pursue Christ. I want you to live a life set apart for him. I want you to love the things he loves and hate the things he hates. And here's what I want you to stop pursuing. I want you to stop pursuing unrestrained behavior. I want you to stop pursuing unrestrained behavior. And he goes and he lists these things. And let me say this. Whenever you see the, a, a kind of list like this in the Bible, there's always something the Holy Spirit will illuminate that you may need to add to that list. So you may not see a proudful look on this list, but as the Holy Spirit illuminates that in your heart, just be like, oh yeah, oh yeah, and my pride. You may not see the word pornography on that list, but don't think it's not included. You can add that and pornography. He got some things he wants you to pursue. He got some things that he wants you not to pursue. Evil desires. 
It's this desire and longing for what is evil. Drunkenness, we, we talked about that. The abuse of alcohol, flaunting freedom at the expense of others. Orgies, this is the abuse of sexual relationship. Sex with multiple partners. This unrestrained behavior, carousing, this is the abuse of a good time. Where you take having a good time, and Christians should have good times, but you take having a good time to become a nuisance to other people. Lawless idolatry, this is where we take things that are not in the law and and exalt it to a place uh, where the law should be and begin to follow that thing rather than follow the things that God has called us to follow. Here's what Peter says. For there has already been enough time spent in doing what Gentiles do. Here's what Peter says. Yo, you already spent enough time doing that. Peter's saying, yo, time out for this. Peter says, yo, you used to do that, remember? So you don't need to relive the glory years. I got to make up for some stuff that I didn't get to do. I I, got to do this one last time. And then, Lord, tomorrow. He's he's saying, listen, you already did that. You did that already. The time, the time's gone. It's like he's he's, he's a coach with the watch and saying, no, 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 the time's up. The, the, The play's over. Some of us are listening to this message and saying, but Rodney, I didn't do all that stuff. And I've been wondering what doing that stuff is like. Peter still shouts to you, there's nothing to look back to. It is like, it is like Lot's wife who is being rescued and delivered from destruction. And the only command is, don't look back. But she can't help it. Oh, I'm preaching. Some of you are buying into a lie that Satan is peddling. There's something back there that you miss. And Peter is encouraging us The beauty is not behind, it's before. There's treasures that are going undiscovered while you folly with the past. You are missing out on what God has for you and wants to use you to do to others and calling you to lay down your life and serve. You're missing that looking backwards. says, the time's past. Some of us will say, Rodney, I'm not, I'm not doing none of this stuff, but we think in it. You see, verse 4 then comes in and surprises us because for verse 4 starts saying that when you live this way, people are going to be surprised and they're going to have questions when you when you live this way people won't be like man what 
you don't want that? This, this girl, she's, she's hitting on you at work. She like you. I know you're married and everything, but bruh, you, ain't, you, 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 ain't, you, you weren't pursuing her. She pursued you. What, what else could you do? They'll be surprised. And here's why they'll be surprised. For some of us, and I'm, I'm, I'm praising God, there's some, some new believers around us, and that's, that's good news for us, and, and, and new believers are beautiful. Here's one of the challenges that new believers uh, are, are challenged with. They, 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 they want to follow Jesus, but maybe their friends don't. And when their friends see that they're following Jesus, they're going to call them, what are you doing? Wait, 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 what are you doing? We don't do that. Why are you getting up early going to that place? This is pointless. You're, why, are you, why are you praying all the time? What, what, is devo- what is a devotional? Why do you give your money? That's, that's your money. You worked hard for that. They're going to start to malign you, Peter says. And they're going to be surprised. And here's why they're surprised. Probably because you used to do this stuff together. And now they're looking at you saying, man, what, what changed you? And change is sometimes hard to believe. Ask Kanye. When they ask us, don't say, well, you know, I'm just trying to be a better me. Don't say stuff like that. Don't say this, well, you know, I just, I just have, you know, I, it's a really rich community. I've, I've met some really good friends at this place. Don't say stuff like that. Those friends didn't change you. I mean, we, 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 look, this is, we have this program called You Moms, and, and we help young mothers, you know, develop in their motherhood and then learn. How, don't say stuff like that. Give the real apologetic. Jesus, save me. I was a wretch undone. I was a sin. I, 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 could not, I could not be good enough to come to him, so he came to me, and he has changed my life. Give them the truth. If you're, not, if you're here this morning, you will say, well, Rodney, I'm not a Christian. Man, praise God. Well, not kind of. I mean, you know what I mean. Um, if you're here and you're listening, I'm glad you are. Here's what I want you to understand. We didn't change ourselves. You are not in a room, I promise you, of really good people. You're in a room of messy people in desperate need of Jesus. You didn't walk into this sanitary hall. You walked into a mess hall. It is messy. We don't change ourselves. You hear this morning, good news, we don't change ourselves. Christ has changed us, but maybe you're here this morning and, the, and, and God is convicting you and he's calling you to himself. And maybe you're here this morning and you need to say this morning, yo, enough is enough. Something may be happening in your heart, whether you're a Christian or not. Something may be happening in your heart where God is saying, no more of that foolishness. Enough is enough. That was then. This is now. Enough is enough. And if that is you, I encourage you. We're going to pray afterwards. I encourage you to come and surrender to Christ. Surrender to that call. 
God's calling us to live this way. So verse 6 tells us, for this reason the gospel was preached. That's why we preach. Why do we preach the gospel and not positive messages? And, and just really helpful things for you. <laughs> because helpful things don't change people. The gospel does. This is why we preach. Why, Peter? Why do we preach? Because the gospel is also preached to those who are now dead. So that although they might be just in the flesh according to human standards, they might live in the spirit. What does that mean? Peter is saying there were people who were alive that had the gospel preached to them and now they're dead. But because of the gospel, they might live in the spirit according to God's standard. What is Peter saying? When we preach the gospel, resurrection is happening. The dead things are coming alive. The old things are being made new. When we preach, not ourselves, not our works, when we preach the gospel, the good news about what Jesus has done, it changes things. This is graveyard ministry. He's saying that there are people that heard the gospel, responded to the gospel, and are now alive in the spirit. So verse 7, what do we do? We pray for them. Maybe you're sharing your faith with somebody. If you're like me, I got people I'm sharing my faith with, and, and I have not seen, you know, transformation happen in their lives. But you're just going to keep on sharing your faith. Don't share your faith without partnering in prayer for them. That's what Peter's helping us with in verse 7. So we pray for them. Point two, a serving community, a serving community. Community. I just want to read this passage one more time. I think it's so helpful. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sin. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each have received the gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God might be glorified. Here's, here's the big picture. Can I give you the big picture before I give you anything else of our serving? Big picture. That God might be glorified through Christ. Big picture. If no one ever says thank you to you. Big picture. That God might be glorified through Christ. We're going to have a volunteer brunch, and I pray everybody that volunteers at this church is, is able to go. And we're going to have a great time. It's going to be wonderful, man. Just want to love on our volunteers. We're, 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 we're planning that for you. But if there was no volunteer brunch, big picture, that God would be glorified through Christ. So my motive for serving is always someone that is unseen. I'm always serving with this idea that, that I'm doing this for someone who, who, who cannot hug me or pat me on the back. I'm serving. My motive, my engine is that God would be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him to him, yes, Lord, to him be glory. That's how you keep on standing in tough times. You, 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 you remember to him alone be glory and dominion forever and ever. So how do we serve? 
First, you got to understand, in your walk with Jesus, it is not, a, it's not just about your individuality. Yes, Jesus has saved you. Oh, he saved me. Yes, he did. He loves me. Yes, he does. He calls me friend. He does call you friend. And then he puts you in a really big family. It's like when you were an only child, and then that other one showed up. And then it wasn't just a child, it was children. And the game changed. It's about the community. Look, if you compare verses 8 through 11 to verses 3 through um, um, 3 and 4, look at the difference in community. It says here in verse 3, they gave themselves to drunkenness. In verse 7, it said that they gave their, them, themselves to being sober-minded. In verse 3, it says that they gave themselves to lawlessness. In verse 8, they gave themselves to sincere love. In verse 3, they gave themselves to orgies. In verse, in verse 9, they gave themselves to hospitality. In verse 4, they gave themselves to, to being maligned or, or talking about others or slandering others. And in verse 10 and 11, they gave themselves to serve one another. What made the change in this community? Jesus made the difference. So we serve each other. Now, we serve each other in two ways. One is organic, and another one is organizational, and I'll explain. Let's talk first with organic. There's some things about the church that a pastor can't strategize. He can't plan. Some things about the church, there are issues that come up, and, and, and as we're looking in our flow charts and we're looking at our systems and, and our groups and our, and our counseling, we're looking, there, there, there's some stuff that, that a, any church is going to have some stuff that falls through the cracks. And here's how the stuff that falls through the cracks is supposed to be handled. It's supposed to be handled organically. Rodney, what do you mean? Peter's going to help us. He says, serve one another by loving one another. Here's the expectation for the members of the body of Christ, that we would love one another. Well, Rodney, what does love look like? 1 Corinthians 13 is your homework. But that we are actively loving one another, giving ourselves to one another. Why? Because love covers a multitude of sin. It does not atone for the sin or pays for the sin, but it helps the person that is receiving it deal with the sin. Like a person that is cold. He's, he's, last night was kind of cold. I had to get up, put my heater on. I'm in South Florida. Forgive me. 50 is cold. Amen. And so it's called on, wait a minute, this, this blanket, you know, make sure every, you know, my blanket's on tight. It, it, it's, not, it's not getting rid of the cold, but it's helping me deal with it. Some of us, when we, when we encounter people that are in sin, walking in sin, or unrepentant, here's what we're called to do. Yes, we speak the truth in love, but don't speak the truth in love without the love. Or don't say, I can't love you because you haven't repented yet. We walk and love one another. Amen? Number two, serve with hospitality. Somebody say hospitality. Hospitality is opening up your home to others. You know, this, this is cultural contextualization right here. Um, 
I was meeting with another pastor. He's in North Carolina. He's a good, good friend of mine. Um, he's talking to him, and he's saying, um, Rodney, um, how you doing? I'm telling him how GF is doing. He says, son, oh, not, not son. He's, he's not father in law. He's just a brother. He said, uh, bro, you, um, you doing life groups? I said, yeah, man, we're doing life groups. We got you. They're good. I said, how's it going? It's going good. He said, uh, but some people don't come. I said, yeah, I mean, yeah, no. No, you're right. I said, you got an answer? He said, yeah. I do a midweek. I said, I said, man, you do a midweek? Once a month we do a midweek. Why do you do a midweek? I do a midweek because some folk ain't coming in nobody's house. Talking about we haven't, we eaten before. I ain't eating that. I don't know how they prepared that, what they did. I'm not touching that food. Who made that food? What, what, what kitchen that was? I ain't finna go over there and just eat nobody's food. I ain't gonna sit nobody. Everybody bathroom. Everybody bathroom ain't clean. You know, I, I can't just be going and stuff. You know, people bathroom stuff ain't together. I do some 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 culturalization. So 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 for some hospitality, depending on where you raise and what you're from, sometimes hospitality is hard. And if if hospitality is hard for you, you got really high standards on what that looked like. Can I can I just give you a word from the Lord? Then open your house. <laughs> There's a story told of a preacher. This preacher's doing a revival. He's doing a revival. He's preaching in, in this remote part of the country, and it's a small town, and he's going there. And as he was planning, he said, listen, don't worry. Come. We'll take care of you. We'll feed you, and we'll house you. And, and so he got there, and he preached, and he's drenched, and he's soaked, and he's, he's tired. He just preached a revival, and he's coming off, and, and, and they feed him a chicken dinner because, you know, the, the, the chicken is the gospel bird. And so he got his chicken dinner, and he said, okay, I'm ready to go and retire. So he says, okay, you're, the guy says, come on, jump in the car with me. You're going home with me. And as he pulls up to the car, he sees, he sees, he sees this apartment building. And he says, man, okay, um, okay, cool. They, they got an apartment, cool. No, 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 no problem. They got a room for me in the apartment. That's cool, let's roll. He walks in, it's a tiny apartment. And it's a one-bedroom apartment. And so he's scratching his head and he's thinking, how this going to work out? You know, he's thinking, okay, if these people are humble enough to invite me into their home and they want to give me the bed and they sleep on the couch, Lord, I'm not going to fight them. I'm tired. I'm going to be humble. I'm going to just let them sleep on the couch. How about they get ready for bed and they get in the bed and then they scoot over to the side and lift up the blanket and say, preacher, come on in. Preacher's sitting there with a conundrum. Who does this? But when he saw the genuineness of their hospitality, he gladly got into bed with his brother and rested. It's not about how big your house is. It's not about how many spare bedrooms you have or whether you live in a house or apartment or a condo. Hospitality is a spirit. I was in Haiti and I was traveling by myself. One of the times I went by myself and I'm there with a pastor who just lost his church and his home. He's living in a shell of his home and he says, Rodney, this little cot is for you. I said, no, pastor, where are you going to sleep, man? He said, do not insult me. This is for you. 
Yes, sir, Pastor, I was. <laughs> Hospitality, it's a spirit. And watch this. He says, Does, do it without grumbling or complaining. Ooh! I just messed up life group leaders. Y'all were doing good. Y'all were like... He added to the light and said, do it without, ooh, I can't grumble? I can't complain that they're coming over again? When is community week? When is the week we take off? He says, do it without grumbling and complaining. Another thing that's powerful is you can teach, you can disciple your kids in that moment. Not just hurry up and clean again. Okay, maybe that's in my house, fine, whatever, I'll take it. But it's also, hey, here's why we clean. And that's your room, but tonight, they're allowed to go in. Those are your stuff that I got for you, but because they're here, that's, not, that's now y'all stuff. What are you doing? You're helping them understand this life is very, very short. And my parents are preparing me for a home that is to come. And these toys are not more important than our opportunity to minister to people that need it. So some of the stuff is organic. Other stuff is organizational. What do you mean? He he then starts talking about receiving gifts. And when you have gifts, you need structure. Amen, somebody. When you have gifts, you need structure. He starts saying, everyone has received a gift. So what if all the gifted people just jumped up and said, I'm going to do it. Wait a minute, man. Wait, wait, stop. I want to serve. I'm, I'm gifted. But if you can smile and have a good attitude, you can serve on connection. Yeah. But you can't get back there with them kids without organization and structure. You see that? We need a background check. Right? Certain gifts need organization. You may think you can, you know, play the keys, but but maybe that's in your ear only. (laughs) Organization. Structure. As you receive gifts, use it, watch this, to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. That word very there means multi colored grace. This is something my my sister posted on social media this week and I just thought it fit so perfectly. It says this, one way God established beauty is by putting things that are different next to each other. That's why you married to them. Let me keep going. Isn't this exactly what God does in community? He puts very different people next to each other. The moon would not be so striking if it hung in a white sky. In the same way, the striking beauty of community is when two very different people learn to celebrate and benefit from their differences and to be protected from their weaknesses by being sheltered by each other's strength. Paul said. This is a multicolored grace on display. So we take our gifts and we serve one another faithfully. Two specific gifts that he mentioned is speaking gifts. He says anyone who speaks, speak as if they're handling the oracles of God. This, this, this week as I'm, I'm reading this, I'm like, Lord, I just, I just 
Lord, help me preach in a way that I understand I am handling your word to people. What a responsibility. I am handling your word to folk. Help me. But it's not just me. When GF youth right now, they are handling God's word to the youth. Fellowship kids, right now, you're not just in there because it's your week. You are handling God's word to these kids. Life group leaders, D group leaders, disciple makers, evangelists, sharing your faith, leading your family. You are handling the oracles of God's word to folk. Do that well. Lastly, he says, those that serve, serve with the grace that God provides. At Gospel Fellowship, when we first started, we just saw people burn out. We had limited volunteers, and we just saw people burn out, just hit walls and fall. And it was under, it was under ignorant leadership. One of the things we did and put in place to prevent that is we, we, we started using planning centers. We started saying, man, man, we're going to ask people to serve once a month in this ministry. Once a month in this ministry so you don't get burned out. But here's what we learned. You want to serve in the grace that God provides. In other words, God is providing grace for you to serve. This is why we that there are some people... They'll serve more than once a month. Why? That's the grace that God provides. Some people say, I want to serve once every six weeks. We want to say, no, serve once a month in Jesus' name. <laughs> once a month. That's it. That's my that's it. But no, what am I saying, honestly? There are some people that have bigger engine, not bigger, um, have a higher capacity than others. We want to be careful not to push people too far or hold people back that can go further. We have to minister by the grace that God provides.